Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Deeper Love, presented by Pastor Jeb Zellner on June 16th, 2019. So in honor of Father's Day, we all like tools, right? Well, most of us do. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to be using some analogies, some props, and, you know, something to make it interesting and something that kind of helped me put this message together. And I hope you guys are ready because it's going to be a bit of a ride, okay? <clears throat> and we, Floyd, again, we've got like an hour and a half, right? Two hours. Two hours, okay. So as you notice, when you get into your notes, uh, we're going to be starting uh, in Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 48, and I've got eight points. So hope you're ready. No, I need to get going. So, um, so uh, we're, we're starting, um, continuing our series of Deeper, and today we're going to talk about love. And uh, today it's eight ways that God shows us how to love our enemies. So this is going to be interesting. So there's so much that uh, is said about love. Uh, some of us kind of probably think we're experts in it. I am, right? Oh, well, maybe not. Um, so everyone agrees that love can be pretty complicated, right? So uh, it can be complicated and confusing, especially if there's some young people here, young adults and teens, you're just kind of getting into this and maybe you've experienced what you think is love uh, or not, but it can be very complicated, very confusing. Um, and you're not the only ones that are still trying to figure it out. We as adults still trying to figure it out. Um, so as a Christian, I believe that love is still largely misunderstood. And there's a lot of places that we could go with love, but uh, we're going to focus on uh, just a small area of love today. Um, but people say that, you know, they fall into love like it's a hole. Uh, so, and a lot of people would say they fall out of love like it's an airplane, right? Um, but uh, I, we know that the Bible says in Mark 12, 30 through 31, that uh, we are to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? Scripture also says uh, that we're to love our enemies, not just everyone that we're friends with, but we're to love our enemies, uh, and that can mean a lot of different things. But what's, all that, what's that really mean? Let's read in our, uh, if you'll open up uh, in Matthew 5, we'll start in verse 43 and read through verse 48. So it says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus saying, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute, persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
before we get into this, let's, let's open up a word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for uh, the perfect example, God, that you've given us about love and how to love. God, I pray um, that you would just remind us, that you'd show us, God, the truths, God, this morning of how we are to love others around us. And not just our family and friends, but also our, our enemies. God, I pray that you would use these words, God, that you touch our lives. Help us to walk away uh, here today changed. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So, I think probably a lot of us, maybe we're in a similar situation, but um, whenever Monica and I first started dating, I had moved here uh, a little while, but I didn't have many tools. Um, you know, so had a car replacing a clutch or a broken window crank or uh, even installing a stereo. I didn't have really much to, to, to do it, um, to put that stuff together. I, was, I had a limited toolkit. Um, so a lot of my tools that I've gotten over the years, I either gotten from when I was in construction, but a lot of it from, uh, from my father-in-law and, and uh, in-laws, when I needed to fix something, I had to go borrow something. It was a screwdriver or a ratchet set. Well, what do you think I got for Christmas that year? <laughs> uh, so, in fact, I'm sure there's something in my garage, Milton, that's still yours. I'll get it back to you someday, I promise. Um, so, as we talk about love, um, some of us um, maybe don't feel like we don't have a very deep well to draw from. You know, we have maybe a very short... Uh, uh, or small well. Um, but some, in some days, and I relate it personally, you know, it, sometimes it can be really difficult to love people. Uh, the first five minutes of my commute to work, I feel like I'm running out, you know, of love for people. Um, or when I go to lunch and I open the refrigerator to get my lunch and, and what I had hoped I was eating was gone and someone had eaten and a coworker, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much love I've got for that person as my stomach is grumbling. Um, so our, our first thing that we're going to talk about here, first tool isn't actually a tool, so I'm starting off on a wrong foot here. But uh, it's love not from our own resources, but with love from above. So it's not loving from what we have, but from what? From God. So in John 3.16, we're reminded, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So that scripture says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world first. And we're to learn from him and how we're to love. And then also in our scripture, uh, Matthew 5, verses 44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So it's not all that natural that we love our enemies or those that persecute us. We need to pray. We need to ask God for that love. Uh, it's, again, it's not, it's not easy. It's not natural. But as we learn to love as God loves, it makes it a lot easier for us to love. So a few years back, um, I was feeling really frustrated with uh, how things were going at my office and with my coworkers. And um, I just, it seemed like every time I turned around, there was someone else I was frustrated with. And uh, I was tired of it. And uh, uh, I found uh, that the only effective tool I had in order to keep moving ahead was on my way to work, 
I'd turn off the radio, stop singing, I love to sing with the radio, turn it off, and I would, in my head, walk through the office and say, Neela, God, thank you for Neela. Uh, I don't know what, what it is that she's um, having or work dealing with today, but I just want to lift her up. Uh, Marissa, you know, I just walked through the office and I'd pray for them. I didn't know what to pray for them exactly, but I knew that God needed to change me, had to change my heart. And so uh, God used that. I had to ask, God, I don't know why you love these people. You do. <laughs> you, because you love me. You know, so I had to ask God for help on how to love them. All right, so let's go on. I'm not behind yet. Okay, so... How many of us have uh, painted around our house or, or whatever? And how many of us have, have made a mess? Yeah. So uh, I, I found uh, these drop cloths are worth their weight in gold, right? Uh, or at least the time it takes to have to clean up paint spilled on your carpet or splattered uh, on some furniture, you know? So. Uh, we use these to cover up things that we don't want um, to get paint on, right? All right, that's my first example. <clears throat> uh, so um, we're a messy group of people. And uh, I'm not so sure I want everyone here to know it, but, you know, yeah, I'm pretty messy. Uh, and I mess things up all the time. Um, and I need grace. I need God's grace. And I'm pretty certain you need God's grace as well. Uh, everyone needs God's grace. Our second item in the bulletin there, that God covers or surrounds us and our enemies with grace. And we can go to Romans 5.8 and where it says that, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. It doesn't say after he forgave us, then he showed us grace. No. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I want to remind you that grace is defined as the unmerited favor, undeserved love, our goodness towards those who have no reason to expect it. So how many of us have experienced something that has been undeserved? Probably a good number of us. Maybe it's uh, you were given a gift. Um, maybe someone gave you a compliment or maybe did something nice for you that you don't know why. They just did it. God doesn't discriminate to whom his grace is given. It says we were all sinners and Christ died for us. It's not up for me or us to determine who deserves God's grace and who doesn't. Christ made that decision. God made that decision over 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross for all our sins, not just those select few. And that means even our enemies or the people that frustrate us or the people that we question, does anyone really love them? I, I tell you, God does. All right, so what else do I got in here?
All right. Anyone know what this is? You can't read it. Come on. No. I'll tell you. It's spackling primer. It's nail hole filler. You know, uh, use it quite a bit. Uh, so uh, it's to cover up blemishes or holes in the wall. Um, so um, it's used to fill in holes in walls and blemishes. It makes them disappear, right? So this is just like how God forgave or filled in my mistakes or my blemishes and still does to this day. And we do the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also for our enemies. When we look at others, including our enemies, we shouldn't see their faults, the things that they do to hurt us, uh, their sins, but rather as God's creation, just like us. Everyone has blemishes. Everyone has uh, their things that they're not proud of, but God uh, fills them in, and we should, when we look at others, again, we shouldn't see those blemishes. We should see them through God's eyes. So number three in our outline, God forgave us so that we can forgive others. This is, this is actually a, a pretty difficult thing for us. It's easy maybe to say, but really difficult in practice to really understand that God forgave us so that we can forgive others. It's really easy, say, maybe to forgive ourselves for something that we've done, but to forgive something, someone else for something they've done to us is difficult. So in Luke 23, verse 34 and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, even as Jesus Christ was being crucified on the cross, he forgave those who were killing him. Even as he was dying on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. In Colossians 3, 13, it says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive so it's, it doesn't say, so you might forgive. No, so you must forgive. Now, that doesn't mean once we forgive them that everything is as it was before. It doesn't necessarily say that. But we are to forgive those who have hurt us. So one of the most difficult things, and I hope probably everyone would agree, that relationships and families are tough. Especially when a family member has, has hurt you in some way. Uh, I find that those hurt relationships are sometimes the hardest to forgive. Personally, I and others in my family have been hurt by a family member. And I still have had a long, a lifelong exercise in learning to forgive. Not that they deserved my forgiveness, but simply because God forgave me, so I must forgive them. Not that I might forgive them again, that I, I will forgive them. It doesn't mean, again, that that relationship is fully restored. But it does mean that I have a better understanding of God's forgiveness for me. That I forgive not because... I have it within me, but because God has told me to forgive because he forgave me first. And I've come to the conclusion that 
I don't need revenge. I don't need anger. I don't need that security. But what I do need is God's forgiveness. And we all need God's forgiveness. And to experience it fully, we need to forgive others. Okay, next item. So my mom uh, and, and Mary Jo, her friend, has moved here recently and moved, bought a house. And uh, there's a few things that she needed done around the house. And some of them are a little higher than others. So we needed uh, uh, a ladder. <clears throat> so we went to her garage and, and pulled this little thing. I think it was a ladder. Um, <laughs> it was barely a little boost. I think it raised about four inches. A step stool. Okay. Well, I stood on it to try and do what we were trying to do, and it wasn't enough. <laughs> I could sit, um, so it was still too short. So I needed to get a taller ladder uh, to get it accomplished. So as that as an illustration that many times we think that we're better than others around us. You know, we feel that we're, we're, we've arrived. Um, maybe a coworker thinks that they always know better than us. Maybe uh, you're, um, you're driving down the road and you see, uh, as we all do, the homeless people on the, on the corner in the middle of the street and they're, um, they're begging for money in order so that they can go eat. Um, or maybe we think, well, they're not going to go eat. They're going to go get some alcohol or something or drugs. Well, you know, we're better than that. Uh, or maybe you're thinking about, uh, I know this personally, a low-life thief who broke into your vehicle and stole it. Uh, as awful as other sins might be, we're not guiltless. And there's no sliding scale of value of sin. When we think about all the sin in our own lives that Jesus has covered, we can make space in our own hearts for the Spirit of God to work out forgiveness for our enemies. So our fourth item God shows us that we fall short too. We all have fallen short. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I'll tell you, there's not a ladder tall enough that can make up for that gap. Okay. All right, it's time to look cool. Wow, that's bright. Okay, now I can't read. All right, safety glasses. Anyone know what they're for? Safety. Okay, that was too easy. All right, uh, they're meant to warn, you know, we wear them to protect our eyes from when we're doing stuff that's dangerous. Um, dads, we know what that is. There's a lot of stuff we do <clears throat> that's dangerous. Uh, so, but it's, you know, maybe when we're sawing or drilling through something and there's sawdust flying, and, you know, it's to protect us. I mean, things fly at us from, from all directions. And uh, they help to keep that stuff out of our eyes so that we can complete our task. You know, we can keep going uh, and not have to worry about you know, holding our eye while we keep going, you know. So it's important um, that when we're seeing the world around us, 
that we remember that our spouse, our son or daughter, they are not the enemy. That our coworker is not our enemy. That our politicians are not our enemies. That our angry next door neighbor is not our enemy. Satan is our real enemy. So number five, we say God helps us see who our real enemy is. In Ephesians 6.12, a lot of you may know this, this verse, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In Matthew 4.10, we're not going to read it uh, at all, but here Satan is tempting Jesus, telling him that he would give him all the kingdoms of the world, and Jesus tells him, be gone, Satan. Satan is real. He is our real enemy. And, and if we're always focused on those around us who we think are hurting us and saying, they're enemy, you know, vanquish them, God. <laughs> you know, we need to understand who our real enemy is and strengthen ourselves with God so that we can uh, defeat him, not defeat those around us by trying to tear them down. Okay, how am I doing? Okay. Oh, this is a good one. I don't know what this is. Oh, I found one. Cool. All right. Woo. All right. Uh, yeah, I did. All right. So, the stud finder is very helpful when you're trying to find studs behind drywall um, and uh, so that you can hang things on your wall uh, that are heavier. So you slide it over the face of the drywall and it makes a noise and when it finds a stud, you know you found it. And uh, so, you know, we can't see the studs that are behind there, uh, but we know they're there because it told us. Okay. So, we, we typically, we don't know, uh, really know our enemies' hearts. We don't know even sometimes our good friends' hearts. Um, and sometimes we don't even know uh, people in our family what really is in their hearts. Uh, we don't know what makes people mean or hurtful. We really don't. We can make assumptions, but we really don't know. And it's only God that really knows their hearts. So number six is God knows the hearts of those who hurts us. And Acts 1.24 says, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all. So God only knows the heart. God alone knows the heart. Yours, mine, and those we consider our enemies. I know I find myself assuming that I know the heart or intentions of someone else especially someone who's uh, frustrating or hurting me. But what if it is just a result of something that wounded their heart? We don't know. Especially when we're talking about other believers. We have to trust that God knows their heart. And then here's the hard part. And just pray 
that he has the power, that God has the power to soften their heart and change them. It's not up to us. But no, we have to trust that God knows their heart and their intentions. All right, well, I forgot something. But let's just imagine. I'm an architect, and uh, we uh, develop drawings, plans, that sort of stuff. So just imagine this is a floor plan of a house. Uh, so what I help bring people's visions, their dreams to reality. Um, we develop drawings, 3D models, whatever we can to help convey that, that, that uh, vision. So in a similar way, God as a master builder, uh, he calls, in this specific story, called a disciple Ananias to follow his plan to bring about his vision and plan. So if you'll turn to Acts Nine and it's, it's in your um, handout as well, I believe, uh, verses 11 through 15. We're going to read about Ananias. The Lord said to him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the king and before the people of Israel. So this is a great example in scripture that shows that God empowers us to love our enemies by helping us understand and see that he has a vision for redemption. He has a master plan. So again, number seven, God shows us how to love our enemies by helping us see his vision of redemption. So again, in this story, uh, there was a man, he was a disciple, Ananias, and God called him to go to Saul. This is before he was Paul. And to lay hands on him after, this is at when Saul was blinded on the road to Damascus. Ananias knew that Saul was, uh, he was at the time hurting. He was uh, persecuting, putting people in prison, Christians in prison in Jerusalem. I can just imagine how Ananias felt when God was telling him, go to this person and lay your hands on him and heal him. But God was calling uh, Ananias to see his vision how he was going to be redeeming Saul and be using him uh, to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, to their kings, to Israel. Saul was an enemy. But God told Ananias to reach out to him so that he could use him for his purpose and glory. And he had to trust and know that that was God's plan and God's will and being used as an instrument Oh, 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 oh. 
You know what that is? You just heard it in the first song. I love that show, Home Improvement. My throat's a little dry, but there's, uh, there's something about power tools. So I don't have a, a lot of power tools, but um, there's not a lot that you can do around the house without power tools, right? You just you got to have them. Uh, they allow us to do tougher jobs, bigger jobs, uh, and jobs that should probably be done by professionals. Um, there, uh, there's just uh, something about power tools that turns us into superhero, makes us invincible, right, guys? Uh, so all we have to do is plug them in to the power source, and off we go. So here's your life. Here's your life, powered up. Uh, I guess I should have charged it. Okay, bad example. Sorry. But, okay. So, we always love when we can brag on our kids, right? That's good examples. Um, so, uh, there's a story about uh, Beth. Don't worry, it's not embarrassing. It's not too embarrassing. Uh, Beth was actually a freshman on her dance team. You know, our world revolves around dance now. Um, and there was a senior on her team. Uh, she was the team, or one of the team captains. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Beth was, was hoping to look up to this, this person. Um, but found that she was what Beth would term an enemy. She was someone that uh, really was not nice. And she uh, purposely excluded Beth from, it had like these, she goes to Hope uh, Prayer Circle and has excluded her from a prayer circle. They uh, left Beth in a locker room when they were going out for a comp- competition. Um, they, um, uh, they were preparing for uh, a state uh, routine or um, a state competition. And this team captain, she fell and she injured her ankle and, and pretty bad where she couldn't perform. Well, this, this uh, senior, she was devastated. It was right before the competition. And, uh, and Beth noticed uh, that she was, she was upset. And no one else from the team uh, was going around her and saying anything to her. Um, but uh, Beth went over and asked if she could pray for her. And, uh, and, and Beth was telling us the story. It was pretty, pretty proud to, to know that while this person was an an enemy to Beth, that there was power in prayer, uh, that we could reach out to our enemies and be obedient. So number eight is we love our enemies through the power of prayer. And if we go back to Matthew 5, verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So it's really an awesome example uh, that we can see in our kids and others around us and, and, and with us to be able to see the power of prayer. Now we may not always get to see the outcome of how God's going to change that person. Um, and, but Beth has been able to see this person uh, and come up and has talked to her. We don't know, though, how God's changed her life, and uh, we don't know what was going on in her life, but uh, we do know that uh, there is power in prayer, and, uh, and there's power in praying for our enemies. Uh, 
So in this series, uh, we've also been kind of overlaying uh, the um, our one. Who's your one? And uh, who is it that God, you know, that's been telling you to pray for so that they know, uh, they can know the gospel uh, that we need to show love to? Maybe your one is maybe someone, you know, I don't know, that has frustrated you. Maybe they've been an enemy. Maybe uh, your one is someone, maybe it is close to you. Maybe they're not. But I, I want to encourage you that our ones, who we're supposed to be reaching out to and praying for, um, is not just our close friends, our, uh, our believers, our friends. It's those outside of those circles, those people that God has called us out to love, our enemies, uh, people that frustrate us. And um, I want to challenge you this week, if you haven't identified your one already, um, maybe think about those, those people. There's someone that uh, is not, not nice to you, and you don't know why, but God's calling you, and, no, to, and you're putting your heart to pray for them so that they would know the gospel and they could be set free. We want to pray for their lives to flourish, their hearts to be won over by the gospel, and for your love for them to grow. This, the amazing thing about praying for those that hurt us is the lessons that, um, it lessens their power over you. And remember that it only takes one meaningful interaction with someone to help change the course of their life. All right, so I think I'm doing all right. We're going to close it out here. I want to uh, close out today by going back to our main scripture in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to go to verses 46 through 48. It says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what sets us apart as Christians? So what sets us apart is that we love those who are difficult to love, people that don't love us. As believers, there's a limited reward in loving those who already love us. I mean, everyone, we, we, we do that every day. But where the reward is, is loving those who, who oppose us, who oppose God. This is the misunderstanding about love that we fail at most times. By loving only those who love us, we are the same as everyone else. But God is calling us to be different. To love those who are hard to love, difficult to love. The tax collectors of our time. The drug addict, the know-it-alls in the office. Our enemies. God calls us to be perfect as he is perfect. Now that's an example to live up to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you again for that example of, of love. And that, God, there's so much for us to learn. 
and we're going to continue to learn. God, help us to, to go beyond uh, our sphere of people around us that we know that love us, who care for us, who care about our well-being, maybe that are believers. Help us to identify those who, who are not nice, who are, um, are not tied into that source of love that we are with you, that we can pray and lift up um, them so that the purpose for them to know you. I pray that if we don't know uh, who that one is in our life, God, now that you would reveal that to us today. God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to grow and grow an understanding of what uh, your love for us really means. And by putting it into practice so that we can have a better understanding, a better feeling of that. There's a lot of people in this world that are not our friends, God. But God, we know that you, again, died for not just us and those around us, but for everyone. I pray that you would use us, God, to spread the gospel, to spread the good news that you died for everyone. God, I also want to pray as we end the service today, as we begin uh, and be going to go and com doing communion, celebrating communion. God, I pray that you would use that as we remember what you did, what your son did on the cross for us. We thank you for changing us, changing our hearts not allowing us to remain who we are, who we've been. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be challenged. Thank you for your love. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., for directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.